It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is our movie club podcast where we started uh, this a few years back to make sure that we were watching something new every week. Um, and so the rules of this podcast are that uh, one of us picks a movie that at least one of us hasn't seen. Um, and the, every month we do a theme. And this month's theme, December 2019, is Through the Cracks. Something we started last year. And the idea here is to catch movies from this year that we had missed uh, for some reason or another. And I think we've mainly gone indie films this year, huh, Corey? Yes. And uh, those are often harder to see in our respective areas. They don't all make it to us. Um, Corey gets a little more, I think, close to her than I get. But still, uh, a lot of the movies we're watching this month are harder to find um, if you're not in a a big city that has, like, an art house theater. Um, I have one like an hour away. It's usually inconvenient to get to. Um, but uh, this first episode, we're going to be talking about The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And um, it's an A24 film, a, a studio that Corey and I generally are uh, fans of. We like a lot of their movies. Not all, but many of their films. Um, so we'll be getting into our review of that in a little bit. But before we do that, we like to catch up real quick and then also see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. Uh, Corey, I want to compare weather. Oh, God. Because Corey lives in Idaho, and I live in Florida. And it, it is very chilly outside here in Florida right now. Um, when I left my uh, my third job this evening, I was slapped in the face by cold air. Um, it is currently sitting at 52 degrees here in old sunny Florida. What's it uh, up there in Idaho? It's 36, hey, which it's been right about there all day today. The snow is melting. So we're not too far off. Um, it's no. our, our low for tomorrow is 39. So there's a chance it'll hit into the 30s. Although, uh, from what I'm looking at, it's looking like it'll just barely get there. So we're, we're, we're close. Closer than we should be. We won't have melting snow. Um, at yeah. least not likely. We might have some frozen over puddles, if anything, but... Yeah, have my groceries delivered this week because I'm not driving in that. <laughs> I do not fault <laughs> you for that. I would not want to drive in the snow either. And Bill had to drive me home last night. It's like, I can like drive in the snow, but after it's like melted all day and then it snows again or it ices over, I'm just not okay with that. And it was a little slippery on our way home last night. So yeah, hot mess. I, I, I feel that. Um, I'm trying to figure out. We recorded last... On the 25th. Okay, so I have a lot of movies that I've seen um, since the last time we recorded. Uh, anything else going on you want to mention before we get into what we've been watching? It's Monday, but I'm ready for the week to be over. Uh, today <laughs> was my first day back to my normal job. Oh, yeah. And, um, which is, you know, I'm, I, I love my job, so I don't mind going back. Although, uh, I don't feel like I got a vacation because I worked like 20 something hours last week uh, because my my uh third job i'm an online order puller and black friday stuff was happening so i was pulling oh, yeah. lots and lots and lots of orders in fact tonight was really busy because today's cyber monday so every all the online specials were coming back to my department um but Oy. 
uh, I don't feel rested. And today I was excessively tired. And so the, you know, I got up at my normal time, but I messed up. I usually have my alarm ring at 5:20, and then I snooze once, and I get up at 5:30. Today my alarm just went off at 5:30. Luckily I caught it and I got up, but I, I I didn't get the extra like rest that I feel like I get when I do the snooze button. I know it's like a, it's a trick, but it, it makes me feel better. Um, so I didn't get that. I'm like 10 minutes into getting dressed and the power goes out. <gasps> no. And so I haven't made breakfast yet. And I'm like, okay, great. So now what? I'm going to have to get dressed and like get ready, make our lunches and stuff with a flashlight on my phone. <laughs> oh, and, no. um, I'm doing that in about, I decided I'll just eat like a, a protein bar for breakfast instead of like, I usually either do like oatmeal and sausage or like uh, egg whites and sausage or something, turkey sausage. <laughs> um, and... I, so I'm like, I, I'll just eat a protein bar. So I'm eating a protein bar, and then the power comes back on. I'm like, gosh darn it. Um, you know, and luckily my coffee pre-makes, uh, before, like, it wakes me up, basically, along with my alarm. So my coffee was made, because um, that would have been real bad, even though it's decaf. I really needed regular coffee today. I was so tired all day today, and I just could not snap out of it. Cause, um, and it's not, it's not a good thing for the teacher to look like they want to put their head on the desk, but I totally wanted to put my head on my desk today. <laughs> It was one of those days. Um, and of course now it's very late and I would, I would like to go to bed, but I actually feel more awake now than I have all day. That's the worst. Yeah. And I am a night owl by nature. So that's part of the problem is during like my week off, I immediately go to like stand up to one to 2 AM. I don't sleep in much. Like I still get up at like by nine, but now it's like, I'm getting up at five thirty, and I haven't slept enough and it's just not, it's not clicking, but I will hopefully fall asleep as soon as we are done recording. Uh, maybe just in my chair even, you know? We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I, I see what you mean. I kind of feel the same way. Um, I, I have three weeks until my next vacation. Um, nice. Juggling all work. Although, uh, my, my college classes end either tomorrow or the following Tuesday, depending on one uh, exam, depending on what my students are up for tomorrow. Um. I had one ask if they could do both exams tomorrow, and I'm like, well, if everyone wants to do that, yes. Um, if if only you want to do it, I can't like cancel the following week's classes, kind of thing, you know. But um, <laughs> fingers crossed that that happens, because then I'll get I won't have to come in next week for that, and I'll have at least one extra night off a week um, until Christmas is over. But uh, yeah, so you know, just stuff, just stuff going on. Um, that said, you want to talk about what we've been watching? Yeah, I'll go first. Alrighty. Okay, so I don't remember what I talked about last time, um, but I watched Home for the Holidays. Ooh, I watched that too. Yeah. I just realized I didn't put it on my movie, my letterbox. I'm mad at myself. <laughs> oh. Um, also, I was like brainstorming other Thanksgiving movies, and duh, son-in-law watched that. Oh my god, that is a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, why doesn't anyone ever talk about it? Right. Oh, I'm Corey, it's, that is a new tradition I'm going to reinstate. Um I that okay, so I mean, you know this cuz we've talked about it before. Um but I love Polly Shore. Like I got to see him do stand up last year. I didn't see him this time. He came to Boise, but I'll catch him next time. But I love Polly Shore and this is my that's my favorite Polly Shore movie. He has another movie coming out next uh spring or this upcoming spring, I should say. Um, I, I like Encino Man over Son-in-Law, but Son-in-Law is a close second. Oh, I just love it so much. Um, and then I found on Hulu, have you heard of their, um, they have a special like movie series with Blumhouse that's called Into the Dark. 
I have because somebody I like has directed something for that. Oh, um, they, um, it's, I've known about them for a little while because they do holiday centered horror movies are most of them. So I watched three of those and they're actually like, I think one was like an hour and 21 minutes and one was like an hour and 30 minutes and then another, um, they're like, they're, it's not like shorts or anything like that. Um, so keeping with Thanksgiving, I watched Pilgrim, Flesh and Blood. Um, those are both Thanksgiving. And then I watched the, one of their Halloween ones called Uncanny Annie. Mm. Um, I, they're all, they're, I like that they're all very different. Like, I can't think of anything like them, which sometimes I feel like is hard with horror. Especially with some of the Blumhouse horror. No offense, Blumhouse, but some of the crap you put out. Freaking yeah. uh, Truth or Dare. Oh, I didn't even see that one. Well, I think um, I own it, so good luck if you want to watch it. I am um, not going to, just because <laughs> you did not recommend it. Um I went on Saturday with my cousins and their two-year-old, who I love very much, to see Elf. Oh, that's cool. Um, it was already playing, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a fun time. It was mostly children there, which I usually go to the adult screening, so that was... But they were all very well-behaved, so cute. Everyone dressed up. They always do, like, costume things at the beginning of the screenings for Boise Classic Movies, and it's just fun. They give everyone who dresses up a set of tickets to another screening. It's just fun. Um, a movie I've been wanting to rewatch, but didn't want to purchase it because I hadn't watched it since I was a kid and didn't know if it was really any good. But Sleepwalkers, that just came to Shudder. Oh. I just remember what it was. James Roday, um, who is from Psych, and he's in the um, uh, Pushing Dead, the movie that we we talked to the director, um, Tom. Oh yeah. Brown. Uh, James Roday directed an episode called Treehouse. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. I think that I'll be making my way through all of them. Uh, and I can't remember who the actor is in Pilgrim, but I recognized him. Um, I And I watched, we went to the theater yesterday to see Won't, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Which was the first time seeing, uh, no, A Beautiful Day yeah. in the Neighborhood? Oh, damn it, yeah. Okay, I was just, well, because it's possible that I, the documentary was re-released or something. but I get them mixed up, and I knew I was going to do that. Like, before I messaged you back earlier, I looked it up <laughs> like a smart person. But, uh, yeah, and that's what I've been watching. How, uh, did you love A Beautiful Day? Um, We loved it. It was it punched us in the feels, like, the whole time. Yep. It is yeah. currently my favorite movie of the year. Um, I, I love it. I can't wait to own it. Um, it makes me happy inside in so many ways. Um. But I talked about that on the last episode. So what I've seen since the last time we recorded, I saw 21 Bridges, um, which was solid. Uh, it's not a great movie, but it's definitely entertaining. Um, I, the performances are really good. Uh, the story is lackluster, and I'm I'm very perturbed by the name 21 Bridges because the trailer makes it like, he's like, we're going to shut down New York. Nobody gets off the island. And it feels like that's going to be an important like plot point, and it's not. Like, literally, oh. that's that whole moment is the only thing that matters about them shutting down. He's like, there's 21 Bridges. Shut him down. That's the only thing that ever comes up with the bridges. There's no, like, shootout on the bridges. The bridges mean nothing and it also, like, I thought that would be, like, a really challenging thing. Like, oh, my God, how do you shut down New York City? That's got to be, like, a cool process movie to show you how everything gets shut down. And it's literally, like, shut it down. And they're, like, how long do you need? He's, like, 5 a.m. And they're, like, okay. I'm, like, that's it? Why is this yeah. movie called this? Like, this has nothing to do with the plot at all. Um, yeah, there, there could have been something else. Uh, 
then I stayed though. I saw Twenty One Bridges, and then I immediately went and saw Knives Out. Oh, I want to see that so bad. Oh my god, Corey! Oh my god, Knives Out is freaking fantastic. It is in my top ten for sure of the year. Um, I, I don't think it can surpass a, what a beautiful day does for me emotionally. But man, I love Ryan Johnson. His writing is so cool. I like. I love whodunits if they're done well. I think this one has a lot of fun. The performances are outstanding. Um, it's just great. Uh, the next morning, I went and saw Queen and Slim, which is a very tough film. But man, the performances from Daniel Kaluuya, Kalu- I always screw up his name, Kaluuya, and Jodie Turner-Smith are very, very impressive. Um, I, Man, it's such a quiet and thought-provoking film. It's a new director. It's her first feature. Um, and her name is Melina Matsukis. Um, and you can just tell she has like a very distinctive style and voice that's going to develop and get better. Um, and she's off to a great start, mind you. But like there's there's some little things. There, there's one major sequence that's cross cut. I won't talk about what it is for like spoiler reasons, but it feels I'm not sure what message I'm supposed to get from it. I definitely there's something there. It didn't register for me in a way that meant something. If anything, it just felt like a weird choice but not a bad movie again. Um, I then went, uh, I rewatched for like the millionth time home alone with my wife. We watched home alone on Disney plus actually, even though we own it, but it was readily available on Disney plus. So we just clicked the button. Um, and then I went and saw Ford versus Ferrari or Ford V Ferrari, uh, which I, I'm a Matt Damon fan, generally speaking. And I love Christian Bale, um, and them together. They were, they're just so great in that movie. I, I was really into it, uh, and but not to be undone, Tracy Letts, who um, I've everything I've seen him in, I tend to love. He is so great in this movie as Henry Ford the Second. Um, just a really solid James Mangold film. I enjoyed it very much. I then rewatched Home for the Holidays, which we watched I think last year, right? I don't. I can't remember because it I, wasn't I, last year. It was the year before. We've definitely watched it for Movie Club. <laughs> um, and man, I liked it more this time around. Which I liked it the first time around, but I liked it more this time. Like it's, I think it's becoming a film that I'm just gonna keep coming back to. I've also become a huge Holly Hunter fan over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I've seen more of her stuff, and man, ah, Home for the Holidays is just so great. And I keep forgetting Anne Bancroft is the mom because she's I just amazing. Love that it's just such a normal. They're just a normal family. Like I keep forgetting Jodie Foster directed it. Yeah. When it came back on, I had forgotten that. And this was at least my third time watching it. It's only my second, but I, I, I it's definitely gonna be a tradition for me. I watched it on Thanksgiving. I did watch it alone. Um, because my wife had to work all night. And so I was like, I'm going to put a movie on and I, I just, I enjoyed it so much. I, it was so great. And Robert Downey Jr. In it is awesome. Um, yeah, I and just, I liked it a lot more this time. That's the mom from uh dead like me. That plays the one sister. Oh my god, I could not put that in. I knew, like, she looked so familiar, and I was not placing what she was from. And, and I, I think I just looked at Letterboxd, so it doesn't show TV. So I didn't click that. Oh. That's why. Okay, mm. I knew she looked so familiar. And she was in something else that I watched, too, but I can't remember. Well, and then the last thing I watched, I've not watched anything else. Uh, well, I watched the episode four of The Mandalorian. Have you watched any of it yet? No. Oh man, Corey, I love this show. I I, I am so in. I, I thought J, uh, John Favreau was directing, but he's not. He's writing and show running. But he, other other people have directed each episode. But man, I am having such a blast with it. Um, I love. Have you seen the? There's. I feel like at this point, there's no way you don't know one of the elements of it because it's like all over the internet. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. 
Holy crap, Corey. I want him so bad. He's so adorable. Um, I think I might have mentioned him already because I feel like I, I, I hit an octave that I could not. <laughs> you did. Okay. Oh, I remember now. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I am like that person who like when I see something so many times, I'm just over it. I'm tired of seeing it. No. It's just everywhere. It's on Twitter. It it's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. It's everywhere. Yeah, but like, I don't okay, mind. Guys, I love, I love Baby Yoda. Kathy finally saw him like on the screen last. I was, I think it was and last night. Oh, like she walked in, like look, and he's he was on the screen and being so adorable. The the beginning of episode four is like my favorite thing because he's messing with the radio, or he's not messing with the radio. He's messing with the controls on the spaceship, and like it's just, uh, it's so charming and funny because he's he's a baby, but he's fifty years old. Like if you remember in Jedi, I think he he tells Luke like when you're four hundred and something, you uh, yeah. look good, will not or whatever. And so we we know that species, whatever that species is, apparently lives for a long time. And this baby is like fifty, so he's a baby, but he's fifty, so he's like you know much more aware than he looks like he will be. Um, so cute, so adorable. I, I I'm also uh, Pedro Pascal is the voice of the Mandalorian, and I very much I I think he's in the suit, but I also like. There's no reason for him to be in the suit, really, because, like, you can't, you don't see him, at least not yet. Four episodes in, we have not seen him whatsoever, and there's an explanation to that as well. But um, I, that has been one of the criticisms of the show is that people don't like the uh, faceless protagonist kind of thing or the helmeted protagonist. I, it works for me. I'm, I'm totally in. I'm connected to the character, and I'm all about it. But that's it. The last thing I watched was The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I'm ready to talk about this movie. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, here we go. We're going to get into the stats here um, and the specifics. So the Last Black Man in San Francisco came out this year. It is an A24 release. The plot synopsis on IMDb says, A young man searches for home in the changing city that seems to have left him behind. It has an 83 Metascore, a 7.4 IMDb user score. Uh, it stars Jimmy Fails as Jimmy Fails. Um, Jonathan Majors as Montgomery Allen, Rob Morgan as James Sr., Trisha, uh, oh, wait, no, Tashina Arnold as Wanda Fales, who I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, she was Gina on Martin, or, I'm sorry, Pam on Martin, my bad, not Gina, Gina was the girlfriend, Pam was the best friend of the girlfriend, um, I, I always liked Pam on that show, Mike Epps shows up for a little bit, Finn Rip, Whitrock shows up for a little bit, Danny Glover, very small part, but always great, um, and there's <sighs> a few other, I think the only other one that really, really needs to be referenced is Jamal Love. Um, as Kofi, because he has a major plot point. Um, but a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people are only in this movie. Um, it's directed by Joe Talbot, and it's written by Joe Talbot and Jimmy Fails, who's the lead. Um, and others are given. Rob Reichert is given a written credit as well, um, or a writing credit, I should say. But it does say written in the what I was reading. Um, so I'll start if that's okay. Um, yeah. I knew very little about this movie other than it was an A24 film and it got a lot of critical reception. I never watched the trailer. Um, I, I'd seen a clip of them on a boat. So I, I honestly thought this whole movie was about a guy on a boat um, like going into this. So I, I was like no clue what I was getting into. And the opening of this film, I think, kind of gives you a, an idea that it's a, it's going to be a little surreal. Not sorry to bother you surreal where it's completely out out of the blue but there's a level of surrealism in this film that i was not ready for in the best way like it was like oh what are we getting into here this is not going to be a straightforward <laughs> yeah. movie um and it's with the guys in the hazmat suit and then the guy preaching 
And then cut to where we meet Jimmy and Mont for the first time. And there he's like, you think he rehearses? And he's like, well, it feels rather improv. Um, I'm like, okay, this is interesting how they're like commenting on the world that they live in, um, in a way that feels more like an audience than it does like characters, you know? And then when we see Montgomery, the first time we see him like, um, reenacting things that he had witnessed on the street, I'm like, okay, this is really interesting and, and it's unique. And it, right away, I'm just like, I, I'm so curious about what this world is. Even when he's like, they're waiting on the bus, which is a constant thing in this movie. They're constantly waiting on the bus. Um, but he says, let's skate. And then they have one skateboard between the two guys. And so like, I'm like, how are you going to skate like that? And they got pretty creative with how they handled skateboarding. Like, uh, I, I that opening sequence would just really grabbed me. And then the slow motion transition from uh, the black community to more of a white community, and then a very diverse community where we're just seeing all types of people. Um, and I mean, some people that look like they were put there to be like super weird like there's a guy wearing like an all black like he's got like a big hat i think i'm trying i didn't take notes on what he i just remember going wow that guy stands out as being very very unique he's not dressed like anybody else he's not dressed like he's in san francisco and what i think it felt like the summertime to me um or no i guess it was cold at one point so maybe it wasn't summertime but i don't know i was into this movie the whole time um it it's not a very long film well it's just over two hours i do think they maybe could have trimmed a few minutes yeah uh, but still like i was i was in especially the first three quarters i was a hundred percent in. I, I may have drifted to like 90 by the end but um i i was hooked just because again i i really didn't know what i was getting into and it, it just it's such an interesting perspective on you know, on what it is to belong, on on where we fit into this world and what we latch on to as our identity. Um, I think there's so much to explore in this. And it's definitely, uh, I think there's some really good humor. And I think there's a lot of heart. And that's really, I think, what grabbed me more than anything. Um, but I, and I thought the performances for pe people that mostly I don't know, um, like Jimmy Fails, I've not seen. He's only been in two movies. But man, I thought he was great. Very likable. Um, and Montgomery, uh, played by Jonathan Majors. Also, I don't think I've seen him in much. He's been in more stuff. Oh, uh, he was in White Boy Rick. Oh, okay, I know who he was in White Boy Rick. He was in Hostels. I saw both of those movies. Um, so I've seen him in a couple other things, but still not, he's never been the lead in those movies where I thought he was really excellent in this. Um, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, what was your thoughts? I feel like you pretty much covered it, but I really, 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 really loved Mont and Jimmy both. Yeah. As characters, I just loved them so much, and I actually think that I might like Montgomery the most. I just really appreciated his outlook on things. Um, I, uh, I, I guess that I liked also seeing this perspective of them being pushed out of these neighborhoods that they've been a part of, or I, not that I liked that that happened to them, but being able to see it, I guess mm -hmm. another perspective of that happening. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't have much to say here that you didn't already. Yeah. I mean the, like the, the whole movie is centered around Jimmy wanting to get his house back um, that his <clears throat> grandfather built and uh he still goes and works on it and that's this is all at the very beginning of the movie and that was like such a surreal scene because i'm like what are they doing and he's like right, should we go around back and then, 
I'm like, what, what are they getting up to? And, like, he makes a comment about going inside. And he's complaining about the way that they're keeping the house. And then we see him, like, painting. I've been here 12 years and still can't take care of this house. And he starts getting pelted with croissants and other food <laughs> items. Fruit. <laughs> yeah. Those are three dollars. Throwing just food at him, and he's like, "Look, I'll just come back and finish later." And she's like, "No!" <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's like it's so like this house means so much to him, and it means it doesn't seem to mean as much to these other people. It's just a house where this mm-hmm. represents who he was, his family, a legacy, um, and th- it goes from there. I, we won't get into anything else here. Oh, the one thing though, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but I think quite possibly one of the funniest visual gags I've ever seen in a movie oh. was Tumbleweave. <laughs> where there is a tumbleweed of weave and they straight up call it Tumbleweave and I died. I was like, oh my God. That oh is the God. funniest like Western That's... trope parallel. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was so funny. Oh my God. I just think that the humor in this was like a hundred. Yeah, I so good. It's not even listed as a comedy because the the humor is so natural and organic. It's not like the the whole movie is surreal. Like there's things that are happening that is, and it's not surreal. Sounds wrong because it's the things are happening. It's not like they're not happening, but they they do things that wouldn't normally take place. And I it felt like it was going to elevate more, but it doesn't. It always stays fairly grounded in reality. But there is this just this air of like heightened elements that don't make sense outside of surrealism to me like the way the house is connected to him and even the house is never like said to be alive or anything but there is a moment where it makes noises and he just says the house makes noises like that kind of like he dismisses it as nothing but it felt again like the house has this pull to it and um i don't know how much of that i projected and how much you know i'm interpreting it of myself but it just felt elevated in so many ways uh and the stylistic choices like the slow motion um on the skateboard was really cool but it also it it breaks away from the reality of the moment for for me and in a good way like i i i don't know i i was really i'm really really glad you picked this um i i wish i'd seen it in the on the big screen though yeah Uh, i don't know if it came close to me um it's just like sometimes a24 just loses me i'm glad that they're letting people make the movies that they want to make but but then when there's a good one it's really really good yeah Uh, i i am pretty sure i had an opportunity to see it at at a critic screening but i couldn't that like for work reasons or something um Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it came in the summer here and I couldn't make it for some reason uh, um, because I usually get a 24 screenings and I just, I don't remember if, if for some reason it didn't come at all, but I feel like big tuna saw it. So I'm sure it came local and I just couldn't go, um, which stinks. Cause I definitely wish I'd seen it on the big screen. Cause I, I very, very impressed. Um, like not every a 24 movie has landed for me, but many, many have, um, some of my favorite movies every year are from a 24, uh, you know, like I'm, I don't, I get my years mixed up, but I, I love Same. Ghost Story, uh, so oh, much. Yes, I know that's I... up and down with some other people, but yeah, well, they can just stop. But I wanted to tag you in something earlier because it made me think of Ghost Story. Oh, but I follow this. Uh, I think they're called Bean and Bully or something. It's a bulldog, and then oh. they're a little girl, and they call her Bean. But it, it's like one of those letter boards, and it has the bulldog with it. It's like, I mean, 
you know, something about like, I, I just want to say that I haven't really ever seen anyone crying and eating pie at the same time. And I'm like, my first thought was to go story. Yes. Like, and everyone's like nobody eats i'm sorry i mean i could totally i mean i'm fat here come the fat jokes but you know i i just feel i felt the emotion in that so much Mm -hmm. it just like broke my heart i don't know and the grief man like you i feel that scene a hundred percent i that movie not only that but i love the score for that movie not to deviate our point was a24 excellent we're fans yeah uh not, and again not always uh we neither of us i think like the witch um no and i wanted to like that one i, I did like, too i actually went pumped. in really expecting to get into it and i didn't i do kind of want to rewatch it with subtitles because that was part of my issue is i didn't understand the dad's character like at all i just rewatched it a couple months ago i was like i'm gonna give it another try um maybe i wasn't all in even though i feel like i saw it in theaters um and it just uh, still landed flat for me i did see I it in theaters to. and that uh, i think was part of the problem I, the sound i don't think was great in the oh. theater i saw it in um and then i do feel like the, the old english kind of which oh, i appreciate yeah. but it just like it felt like he was mumbling for me and I, I was having a hard time and that could be my my hearing after years of abuse from you know rock music or whatnot but yeah um all right so that's our non-spoiler review um let's go to spoilers Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about The Last Black Man in San Francisco in great detail. You have been warned. So the big spoiler in this movie is that there is a scene where they're in the house. There, uh, The old people get kicked out. Or there's like a, some kind of dispute over the sisters who owns the property. So neither of them are going to live in it. Um, Jimmy moves like they squat. They move in illegally. <laughs> And uh, Jimmy is standing out on like the patio and this tour group comes and is talking about the house, says it's built in 1850s. He says, you're wrong. My grandpa built this in the 1940s. Um, And at first it feels like uh, a commentary on like the rewriting of history, like the victors get to rewrite history. So here's this guy giving a tour, telling all these stories about how old this house is, even though it's not true. But we later find out that it is true that it was built in the 1850s, that Jimmy's dad made up the story that he built it, or Jimmy's grandpa, and Jimmy knows that, which was the big, like, kind of surprise. But it wasn't about the reality. It was about his truth, that this was his piece. This is where he belonged. This was his property. His grandpa had that same kind of mentality. And um that's i think the only major like twist like everything else is more about the characters about uh trying to figure out who they are how they fit in um i the whole element of of kofi is the big you know kind of side plot that ends up driving the main plot because with the first time we see kofi i think the first time we see him he's getting called bitch by his crew they're making mocking him for not fighting somebody and then uh the next time we see him there they he's hanging out with uh morts and or monty's invited him over to the house and they hang out they have a really good time they they have a, a what's the word for like the spa thing it's a, a schwitz yeah it was something weird that i'd never heard before oh, really i have heard the i believe it's a jewish term um for a like spa uh, like a, a like a sauna that's the was word. her like sauna or steam room yes I, but i think a schwitz is like the the Jewish word. I could be wrong, hmm. but I feel like I've heard it many times in movies. Um, okay. And 
Uh, so they're in the steam room and they look very uncomfortable and they make a comment. He's like, your grandpa built this? He's like, nah, the, the old rich white people put this in or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, they're reminiscing. We find out Jimmy and Monty, or not Jimmy, Monty, Jimmy and Kofi knew each other at like uh, boarding school or. Um, it was a boy. I think it, that it was more group like home. a group home. Yeah. I, I can't remember which term they used, but yeah, group home was what it was. And so that Monty finds out, oh, you were in a group home. He's like, yeah, for like a year. Um, we know that Jimmy's got issues with his family. A little hurt at that moment. Yeah. Like a, maybe a part of his history that he didn't want. Because that's part of this too, or, right? It was like legacy. Well, I felt like more like Montgomery was a little hurt that oh. he didn't know that about Yeah, because they're, they're best friends. Like, um, <clears throat> how come I didn't know this detail? Yeah, I agree. Um, and... And but Kofi's getting along really well with them, and then the next time we see Kofi, he talks a bunch of trash to Jimmy, and Jimmy gets really hurt, and Jimmy like even stands up for himself, which was surprising. And and then Kofi is killed, randomly, and that's it's one of the surreal elements because the way that like those moments play out feel like a play almost. Um, but again, it's a it's a really I think it's really well done. I like how it's done. Um, and that drives Monty to finish his play. And the play is called The Last Man in San Francisco. So there's the title. Um, Last Black Man in San Francisco, sorry. And uh, it leads to him giving the information to Jimmy that he knows the truth about his grandpa in the house. Um, it's a very emotional sequence. Well, like at this point, like we don't... Did we... I feel like maybe... I was watching the whole movie. I was in it the whole time. And I always have subtitles on because... Without them, I feel like we're gonna miss something. But we don't find out that Jimmy does that. Jimmy knows that until he comes back to the dock yes. towards the very end of the movie. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Because yeah, he, the way that he says helpful. he doesn't want to hear it uh, when when he's telling him at the play, like don't don't say it. I don't want to know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's later revealed that Jimmy did know the whole time, and he just liked the lie better. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I love the play. I love like the the commentary that is being very on the nose pointed out. Like uh, they put him in a box and would never let him be himself. That you know, like we're all basically made to be these things. Like Jimmy wears like a flannel through almost the another element of the surrealism. Because yes, he's technically homeless, but it is implied he could change his clothes. Um, but he does not. He's always wearing the same outfit, and they pick on him about that. Um, but I think that's part of like the surrealism, almost like bart simpson wearing the same outfit for 30 years kind of thing um it's part of jimmy's persona and that is a big thing because i think one one of the guys says why do you dress like a white boy or something like that maybe his dad says it i think his dad says it um why do you dress like a white boy or you dress like a white boy or something like that and it's again it's that idea of like who you are who you have to be based on your position your role um the expectation of masculinity like Kofi was called a bitch and because of that he over he over tries to do his toughness and that's what gets him shot you know it's this idea that we we are constantly putting ourselves in these positions trying to live up to the expectations that people or society put on us and it's unrealistic and it's I mean just really powerful I thought Uh, I agree I liked um I don't mm, I'm gonna struggle with words so I apologize but I really appreciate that they're black men, but they don't really fit in with the people around them, like the the stereotypes the, around them. 
Yeah, and those guys are, like, always hanging outside of Montgomery's house on the sidewalk. So it's, like, not like you can just completely avoid them. They're right outside your home. Mm -hmm. But, like, even trying to see him, like, practice in the mirror talking like them. Oh, it's so tough. Yeah. And uh, in the point where he is writing about Kofi and um jimmy doesn't understand why he would do that because kofi was a jerk to them um but he says that i can't appreciate them because they're mean to me um i i just really loved montgomery yeah no i think he's got like a childlike innocence about him um especially when he's sitting with his grandpa and describing the tv shows or the movies that they're watching i Um, loved their relationship so much I love how they're like he's like kind of holding his hand like they're sitting close to each other and there's like a the initial scene where Jimmy's like on the floor and away from them where he is clear it's like the compositions of the frames are really powerful because that that moment it's very clear like yes he's with them he's allowed to be there but he's definitely an outsider you know he's not a part of it and then the yeah, last he time sits we on see the floor. it yeah he's sitting on the floor like off to the side Often. of them but then the last time we see it he's sitting next to them and he still doesn't feel like he belongs. I think, like, personally, he wants something more, and that's why he leaves at the end. But I think um, it's it's showing, like, he feels the comfort with them. Like, he could be here, but it's still not his place. Like, it's still not – he's still intruding on someone else's world. It's not his. And he leaves San Francisco looking for his world. Um, uh, this you know, I feel like I've seen a lot of crappy movies this year, but I've also seen some really awesome, like emotionally powerful films. Um, Peanut Butter Falcon was one that felt that way for me. It was like super happy and like upbeat and, and uplifting. And I wouldn't say this one's necessarily uplifting, but I think there's a positive message to come away from this. Um, the encouragement that like, you know, that we need to be more willing to allow people to breathe and and fit into society and not push them out because they aren't meeting a certain expectation of what we perceive someone of a any particular race or style or whatnot to be i mean because even the 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 housing area that the grandfather's house was built on was uh emptied because of the world war ii i forget what the appropriate term is but essentially the japanese concentration camps that happened in california because of the fear of you know spies and whatnot um and like so that's brought up in this movie that's talking about you know stereotypes and judging and and being put into a quote-unquote box but there is like literal reference to boxes or maybe not literal but you know i mean like they were cages they were locked up they were put away uh for safety or whatever oh um so the because there's a point where he said that um, his grandfather did not want to move into a house that the owners had been put into one of those it, something like uh, I don't someone I, else's I don't, property or something like that. yeah he didn't want to take over someone's house once they've been taken from it but I mean that is what the implication ends up being yeah because right? he didn't build the house right like so that house already existed so it was somebody's house at some point. Um, oh, yeah. And I was a little unsure, though, if that ever was their house, because when Jimmy says that he was staying there, the dad says, like, you know, that's not that house. That, you know, like he makes it sound like well, it was a different real... location. Oh, but the realtor says, 
when Mont goes to talk to him mm-hmm. um, that they're arguing and he said, oh no, Jimmy Fowles, the whatever, lost this house in 1990 or something. Yeah, yeah. And then... Yeah, I I think it is officially the house. I think maybe the the point with the dad was like, that was never our home because it wasn't in a black community. Um, I thought that it was a black community. I thought after the Japanese people... But that wouldn't have been their time, right? Like, that would have been the grandpa's time and so over time because mm-hmm. i think um when you the movie that i'm most going to compare this to as far as the like location would be blind spotting because blind spotting is very much about the um the changing elements of the, the what's the word i want i can't think of I'm, gentrification that's it uh of of oakland which is uh, the neighboring city to san francisco and i believe Oakland became a very dominated like minority city because San Francisco pushed minorities out um, th- through fi- finances. And then now San Francisco's overpopulated and, and over costs. So people are moving to Oakland, pushing out the communities again. So you're having that same effect. And I, so I think what we're seeing in this movie is Jimmy's wanting to go back to a time when they belong there, but they haven't belonged there in a while. And of course, I'm not saying they don't belong there. I'm saying that's the society has said that. And that's what the dad has accepted that we don't fit there. That's not for us anymore. I think, because again, what you just said is that it, Finn Wintrock seems to confirm that it was the house at one point, but it's been a long time since it's been their house. Um, but yeah, it's, it's un, unclear. I think a little bit because the, Again, because the dad's, I think, maybe speaking more like rhetorically and not literally about the house that it's it's Jimmy sees it as this like birthright almost like, no, no, my grandpa built this house. It is my home, regardless of who lives there. It is my home. And the dad seems to have like, no, no, that's no longer our home. It hasn't been our home in a long time. So I think that conversation is more about the essence of it rather than the literal physical location of it. Um but it's possible I just misunderstood some of the dialogue or something too. But, mm. but, um, I think I I mean I could probably talk more. I'd like to watch this again, uh, to to get a firmer grasp on some of the stuff. I don't I don't know. Again, I knew nothing about this movie going into it, and honestly, I don't know much about San Francisco's history. I've been there. It's one of the the first times uh, the focal city I've been in. I hated it. Um, when I was there. Uh, I felt very overcrowded, which is funny because I love New York City, hated San Francisco. Um, I mean, there's a lot of factors, I think, that could contribute to that. But uh, I was ready to leave very quickly in San Francisco. So, um, yeah, that, I, I would not fight for a house there. But um, I, aren't they like one of the most expensive places to buy a home like I in the United so. States? Yeah, I think like, they are. Uh, you just see how much and that people are literally like renting not even whole rooms and paying more than I could ever even imagine for a whole mortgage. And there's that reference that the um, the one uh, landlord burnt down the house or their apartment building or whatever um, because the, the tenants all had rent control, meaning that they he could not legally raise their rent. So as long as you live there and if – I know a lot about this because of friends, because that's Monica's apartment is in her grandmother's name. 
because of the rent control. So as long as it's in the grandmother's name, the rent can never go up. So Monica's like, they, they're paying rent probably like that would have been set in the 80s or like or even maybe the 70s. So it was like super cheap by comparison to other apartments in I, that area. I never understood like how that works because I've read about it in like different – like I, I read – I don't know why it interests me so much, but like about – these apartments and stuff in New York. And I just don't even understand how that happened in the first place. Yeah. I don't either. You know? um, I think it was, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate, but I, I, I think there's things in place to help people from being like price gouged and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. people then try to take advantage of by not allowing it to ever end, you know, by like keeping it in someone's name who's died years before. Um, which is why it's probably hard to find stuff like that. I could totally use some rent control right now. Um, Mortgage control. But, uh, yeah, it is, um, like, that part kind of plays into the whole pushing people out kind of thing. You know, like, there were people who were who were locked in there. They were going to have these nice apartments for a long time, and then all of a sudden they're forced out, you know. Um, not even forced out. They're literally burnt out of their home. Like, this, the landlord sets it on fire rather than allow them to live there, you know, at that rent. And you think about like all the impl- all the all the implications that that has. I mean, I don't know the percentage, but I know that it's not like a super common thing for renters to have renters insurance that people could have been hurt, that they lost all of their posi- possessions. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't like a it's not a well necessarily a well-to-do area. You know what I mean? It's not like a bad neighborhood, no. but it's not right in the center of San Francisco. It's not right. like it's out of ways. Um, I just I feel like all the implications of that are really. But I, I've heard of things like that before, like and if not burning so the building shitty. down, like, you know, doing things to make people get the get the building condemned or whatever. Like there are ways of forcing like, these tenants out. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't feel like it's a. I don't know, but I watched a new release movie recently in the theaters, and that was kind of a thing, too. It wasn't, like, rent-controlled, but trying to make things, get people out so they could make it a more affluent area. Yep, it's part of the gentrification process. Oi. But um, I'm I'm ready to wrap up, uh, if you're good with that. Um, I, I give this movie a must-see without any hesitation. I think it's super good, and it's one people should check out. I'm going to go with same, and I'm actually interested in reading the book. There's a book? I'm pretty sure that I read that. Interesting. I did not do any research on this one at all. So, interesting. It's based on a book. Um, if it is based on a book, I am ooh, uh, I'm intrigued by that. I want to um, maybe listen to the audiobook. I don't, I don't generally read books anymore. Um, time is a problem for me. So Maybe I'm lying to you. Oh, I thought that I read that it was a book, but I'm oh, book book and film globe. I don't know. Maybe I'm lying. Guys, just go well, look if you're we'll, interested. We'll look it up and we'll confirm. Yeah. But so we both give it the must see rating. Our <laughs> next episode. Ooh, I just realized what we're watching and I'm excited about it. Um, it's a film I heard a lot about earlier this year and it's called High Life. Um, it technically, I think, debuted last year at TIFF or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is officially a 2019 film. Um, stars Robert Pattinson, Julia Binoche, uh, Andre Benjamin from Outcast, uh, Mia Goth, who is uh, in oh, some I bad movies, but I like her. Um, Agatha Buzek, uh, Lars 
Eidinger, Claire Tran, directed by Claire Denis, who I've not seen any of their films, but have heard very, very good things about them. Um, and I need to watch them. Um, mostly I've heard them from Battleship Pretension. Uh, the film has a 77 Metascore, but a 5.9 IMDb user score. A father and his daughter struggle to survive in deep space where they live in isolation. Um, oh. Yeah, I am. Uh, I've, I've heard this compared to a movie we watched earlier this year, actually. Um, Solaris uh, with George Clooney. It's a Steven oh. Soderbergh film we watched. Um not so i've heard mixed things and, and to be fair there are two versions of solaris the original we've never seen we've seen the uh remake with soderbergh um i know we were mixed on that one uh and i also didn't love it but i think i liked it more than you if i remember correctly yes um so i hope this one is better um but it's one that i'd heard a lot about and i missed and i want to give a go so that is our next film uh, i believe it is free to stream on amazon prime um if i'm not mistaken um so if you have prime you can watch it yes it's included with prime for sure um so if you have prime you can watch it for free uh and give us your thoughts on it in fact you can hit us up on social media if any feedback that you might have whether about an episode a movie that we've reviewed or any suggestions um i am at burke reviews and Corey. at Corey r star two r's on the end and if you like what we're doing if you'd rate and review us it does help us get new listeners and it's something that we greatly appreciate in this holiday season um we've got three more episodes uh for 2019 before we roll into our new year um i i know if you've listened to this podcast you may have listened to our top five movies which you might have noticed we've not done for several months um i am hoping to have mike on uh in january to do our reviews of the 2019 films as a collective um and uh maybe do a special episode where we look at our top movies of the decade because 2010 to 2019 will have ended and a whole decade of film will have passed. So it might be that we look at our top five of those. So we won't be doing top five regularly, but we hope to do sporadic episodes every once in a while. So uh, look out for those. If you subscribe to this one, you will get those when those come out. Um, but I hope we can do that uh, definitely for the end of the year, though, because at, at the very least, I think that should be our last episode, if nothing else. If we stop doing top five altogether... I think we should definitely end with the top five of 2019. Um, but if we, if not, I hope we at least start doing the sporadic, like random top fives. It was getting hard to come up with topics after three years. So um, I think it might need to slowly phase out anyways, but if we can do stuff like top five of the decade, um, it could be fun. Yes. So keep listening and we'll be back uh, soon. And until then, keep watching has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movie-verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.